0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is
1: Food,
0: and you're listening to Left Coast Pirates.
2: just west of the Ward Place Gate, from San Diego, California. He is Mike Dizzy Dizzieri, class of 2001. I am Tommy Chilkoharski, class of 1997, and we are Left Coast Pirates. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you doing today? Doing well, Tommy. Dog day this summer. We talked about it earlier, but
1: here we are again. What you got for me?
2: Mike, I'm not going to engage in any small talk today because we have the goat of Seton Hall point guards with us today, Mike, and I am excited.
1: It's it's not even a question. I mean, I'm going to allude to who's on the call, but he went to school when I went to school. I got to watch him play firsthand. I think it's hands down. He's number one. There there are a couple guys that are up there with him, but He's always gonna hold a special place in my heart personally.
2: You know, Mike, the tail of the tape would take too long to go if I mentioned all of his successes, both at school and professionally. But we're gonna give it a try here anyway, Mike.
1: Well, if you just if you just hit some of the highlights, it's gonna blow people out of the water. I mean, he's he's that good. So go ahead.
2: He was a three-time all-state basketball player in New Jersey coming from St. Patrick's High School. He was also two-time second-team parade All-American and McDonald's All-American game MVP in 1996. A four-year standout at Seton Hall. He made... Three second or third All Big East teams. He won Big East Rookie of the Year in 1997. He won Big East Most Improved Player in 2000, leading the Seton Hall Pirates to the NCAA Sweet 16 for the first time since 1991 92. The all time leader in assists with 681, 17th in scoring, 4th in steals, 8th in three pointers which eventually earned him induction into the Seton Hall Athletics Hall of Fame, played professionally in many countries around the world, and then coached at Iona and Seton Hall and is currently the head coach at St. Peter's University in Jersey City, New Jersey. And welcome to Left Coast Pirates Live, Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thank you.
1: So so Shots, uh first year is under your belt at a head, new head coaching position over at Saint Peter's. He went ten and twenty two, ninth overall on the Mac. What were your, some of your takeaways from that first season as you as a head coach?
0: You know, it was a whirlwind. Um, you know, getting the you know, getting the job late. I got the job in April, had to bring in like, you know, five guys. Um we had like five scholarships available. But overall it was a good experience. Um I learned a lot. Um a lot definitely helped me this year. So, you know, overall, you know, I, Obviously, not happy with the losses, but it plays a part in, in the process.
2: So, what's the outlook for the program this coming year then?
0: I think, you know, it's going to be positive. Uh, I brought in six new freshmen, you know, so we got pretty much a young team, but I like the team. You know, they're going to, they work hard. You know, just like like I said, it's part of the process, and I'm looking forward to getting started.
1: Describe the difference, though, in running your own program after technically being under Kevin Willard as an assistant for the last 10 years. There's got to be some, some major differences.
0: You know what? I've been very fortunate. You know, Coach Willard gave me a lot of leeway when I worked with him. Uh, He trusted me. Um, You know, I was able to run the program, um, you know, run practices, individuals, you know, make a lot of, you know, suggestions in games, substitution in games. It prepared me for this moment. So, you know, I want to thank him for that. And at the same time, um, it still really didn't hit me. It's still surreal that, you know, I'm I'm running my own program. Um, You know, I got good people around me. I got good assistants. So, you know, it just – like I said, don't do The most frustrating part right now is just you know, you know, I I've been a pro. I've been part of a program that's been the winning tradition for a long time. Just this past year, not winning wasn't wasn't very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it wasn't cool. But everybody around me and everybody in the program, everybody around the program was very happy with this year. I wasn't happy with it because I'm I'm very competitive and I understand you know the difference. You know, we lost seven to eight games this year by four less points, you know. So that's just a lot of things that we just put in the game, kind of messed up with turnovers here and there. So just something to learn, to build on. Do
1: you we, think that that was some of the influence from Coach Willard? I know he had a couple of rough years out of the gate. And, you know, I think some of the, the administration was happy with the progress, but I know you guys weren't happy with where the program was at and you wanted to get it to where you eventually got it. So are you kind of feeling the same way and some of those same
0: influences? Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because we took over two programs that was – kind of down and, and brought them back up. You know, we took over the Iona program. The year before we got there, they only won two games. And then in a short period of time, we ended up winning, you know, 22 games and getting the Seton Hall job. And then when we got to Seton Hall, it was kind of down a little bit and then it took us some time, about, you know, four or five years to get it going. So I'm, I'm used to thinking over a program that haven't been too successful. I don't want to say that too much because I thought the last coach here did a pretty good job, coach done. Um, but, you know, the program has been down, so you know, that's why, you know, he moved on and then they brought me in. So, getting back to him, I'm used to taking over programs program that, that, that's been down. So, I'm looking forward to to the challenge. You
2: know, we talked to Donald Copeland earlier in the year, and he said he thought he hated losing when he played, but now he hates it even more than when he's coaching. It's got to feel the same way for you, no? Yeah, you know what? It, it, it is, man. You know, especially when you're super competitive like I am. I'm, I'm very competitive. Um, I don't want to lose anything. I don't
0: care what it is. Um and this, year, and this year, I just had to get the guys to understand, you know, losing is unacceptable just in life. You know, when, like, nobody wants to be around a loser, even when you're trying to get a job in the corporate world. Like, everybody wants to surround themselves around winners. And that's why there's so many players that work on Wall Street, because Wall Street understand, you know, you know, guys that, that play and they got that competitive edge, they, they want to work for them. So just trying to get guys to understand winning. And I thought, you know, and then the end of the year was actually really good for us. We actually won the last four to five games and nobody really wanted one to the players because guys are believing in the, in the system.
1: Well, you already alluded to before, you said it It kind of starts to build the program by kind of uh, assessing the talent you have and finding the right players. How is recruiting at St. Peter's different than recruiting at Seton Hall?
0: Well, at Seton Hall, you know, you obviously you want to, you know, you, you get guys that, that think that they are, you know, one and done players or two and done players or guys that trying to make the NBA at the, the low level. You, you try to, you know, you got some guys that just want to, go to school and get a good education and find a job. And you got some guys that want to play basketball overseas. So it's, it's a different level of, of kid that, that you're recruiting. And you just got to believe in what you're doing. It's not really about the best guy. It's about the right guy that, that kind of fits what you want.
2: Now, over the years, recruiting has obviously changed. And it's have to be completely different than you were when you were recruited when you were coming out of high school. I mean, you were in a McDonald's All-American back in 1996. Teams were just banging on your door. How much crazier is it now with the recruiting system?
0: The recruiting is, is a different level right, right now. You got, you know, it's so many AAU guys involved. There's so many people involved with recruiting. It's just completely different. When I was coming out, it was kind of like the parents or the high school. Now you got a AAU guy, you got a mentor, you got a, a runner. Just so many guys that, that you got to deal with now.
1: I want to go back to, to that 1996 year. Tom, Tom already alluded that you were a high school All-American. That, that game that you played in, speaking of kind of, you know, all eyes, you know, centered around that type of forum or, or that type of venue, you weren't the only marquee name that kind of went on to bigger and better things in that game. There was Kim Thomas, Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neill, ju- just to name a few. I mean I, I can keep going on. Richard Hamilton, Kobe Bryant, Mike Bibby, Mateen Cleaves. I mean, what was the experience playing in a game like that and then ultimately going on to win the MVP? You
0: no, know, that game was kind of different. You know, it was, um, like you said, it was so many people in that game that's been so successful over the years. You know, you had, like you said, from, you know, Kobe Bryant to Jermaine O'Neal to Richard Hamilton to Tim Thomas and Mike Baby. I mean, the list go on and on. Um, it was an unbelievable experience uh, being around guys that was ultra-competitive, just like I was. And just, you know, to walk away with the MVP was just the icing on the cake. It was one of those things back then where you had to come to play every night. I'm not saying that guys don't do that now, it just – It's different, man. You just got guys that just – they don't really understand how to compete at a high level every single night.
1: So so I have a follow-up. I mean, at at that point, we don't know who those players are and and what they're going to go on to do with the rest of their career. I mean, where where do you feel like you felt in – where do you feel like you 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 fit in talent-wise relative to those guys? I mean, sometimes anybody can win MVP depending on how the game goes, but I've seen a couple of your other interviews. You've always mentioned that you always wanted to play up And then that type of moment never scared you. Were those guys ever putting
0: you in a position when you felt like you had to prove yourself? Well, you know what? I always felt like I got to prove myself from day one. You know, one, because of my height. Two, because, you know, um, just being where I'm from in Queens, New York, you know, you're always out there trying to prove yourself. And, like, I always played up. I never played in my age group. You know, even right now, it's funny because I got my son playing up. You know, he's six years old. Right now he's playing with, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. And that's what I always did. You know, when I was in high school, you know, I, I play unlimited pro am. You know, I always had to pull myself. I always play with a chip on my shoulder, and those are the type of guys that I want to recruit. Guys that that, that play with chip on their shoulder got something to prove, because those are guys that's going to run through a brick wall for you.
2: Well, recruiting itself can get really ugly, really fast, especially with how with all the in light of all the news that we've seen recently with the FBI probes, and whatnot. You know, without getting into any specifics. Were you exposed to any of those temptations when you were getting recruited? Were any, was anybody coming up to you and saying, hey, man, here I here, uh, you get this?
0: You know, I had a good support system around me. Um, I had good people around me that stayed me away from stuff like that. Um, obviously, that stuff's been around forever. It's not nothing new. But like I said, I had a good support system around me, so I didn't worry about things like that. That stuff wasn't allowed to come near me.
1: So what ultimately made you choose Seton Hall, then?
0: Well, a lot of different reasons. You know, one, you know, Lobel Sanders is one of the reasons why I chose him. You know, I love, I wanted to play with him. Um, I love Coach Blaney. You know, Coach Blaney and Coach Herenda did a best job. I feel recruiting me, made me feel, you know, like they really, you know, needed me, not wanted me. And, and the last thing is, you know, I had my daughter when I was in high school, so I didn't want to go too far away from her. But, you know, especially with me, I'm different. You know, I'm a trendsetter. I don't follow people around. You know, when I first went to St. Pat's, St. Pat's wasn't really known. But when, when I left St. Pat's, St. Pat's was a household name. I wanted to do the same thing as St. Hall. St. Hall, is a, St. Hall was a big time. I was here in 89 and, you know, the P.J. Collisbo days with, you know, Terry DeHando's guys. But it had like a short period of time where it, it was down a little bit. And I wanted to go there and, you know, get it back up. Like I said, I wanted guys to follow me. I didn't want to follow anybody.
2: You, you mentioned Coach Blaney. Unfortunately, after your freshman year, they let him go and brought in Tommy Amaker. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, comparing Blaney with Amaker?
0: Um, you know, they're different. You know, um, obviously I went to Senior Hall for Coach Blaney, so I got a lot of respect for him. I got a lot of love for him. I got a lot of love for Coach Arenda. You know, Coach Williamson, those guys did a great job of recruiting me. You know, Kerry Keaton, that, that whole team. Um, they're different. You know, Coach Blaney, I think kind of one of the things that he did was he kind of treated us like men. And ultimately, it was a downfall for him because, you know, we had guys that didn't understand that and didn't respect and then work hard for him like they should have. And, you know, Coach Emmerich came in with the whole Duke mentality. And so that's the difference. You know, I thought Coach Brady treated us like, like men and like pros. And Tommy came in and, you know, kind of was like a whole college thing. Um, I, and, that, and, not, and not to say that one of the guys, you know, ideas or one of the guys' system was better than the other. Just it, it was different, you know. And I thought, you know, both guys did a great job. You no,
1: know, I get that. So uh, obviously, with, with with change, you're not going to get two guys to run the system exactly the same way, just like you described. And that kind of translates to kind of what you're going through over at St. Peter's. I mean, nothing against Coach Dunn, but he's probably not running the same style of leadership that you run. So how do you take your experience of transitioning coaches and kind of apply that to what your guys are going through or went through that first season at St. Peter's?
0: Well, you know what? Every coach that I played for, whether it was high school, college, NBA, overseas, I learned something from. You know, and I, and I took that with me to St. Peter's, and know, and, and put my own spin on certain things. Um, like you said, everybody's different. Everybody got their own way of thinking. Um, you know, it's just about what you feel is comfortable. Like you know, half this year, I didn't know maybe some of the things I was doing was wrong, but I was comfortable with it. And I, I'm a sponge. You know, I work really, really hard at this. You know, I, I get in really early. I leave really late. You know, I like to go to different people's practices and find out new things. You know, this you know, this uh, preseason, I went up to UConn to see what Danny Hurley was doing. I went down to Villanova to see what Coach, J, Coach Wright was doing. You know, I went over to Rutgers to see what Coach Pike was doing. Obviously, I went to see went up to Providence with Ed Cooley. Like, I went a lot of different places
2: because I wanted to see a lot of different things what people were doing and try to learn from people. So, w- which coach do you, did you learn the most from? I mean, you, you mentioned Cooley. Cooley. We're big Ed Cooley fans here. You mentioned uh, Danny. We were obviously excited that he's uh, taken over UConn. W- where'd you learn the most from?
0: Uh, I'm a big Coach Cooley fan myself. Um, I'm a big, you know, uh, Danny Hurley fan. I'm a big Steve Pico fan. I'm a big Kevin Willis fan. I'm a big J.J. Wright fan. I'm a big Coach Dump fan. Um, I won't say I learned more than I from anybody. The person I probably learned the most from because I worked for him for 10 years is Kevin Willard. But outside of that, like I, I, I think everybody's great. I think everybody's great at what they do. Uh,
1: so we were also we were talking about issues regarding recruiting and, and the game in general. I, I kind of want to stay around that theme. In, in my opinion, another issue that is clearly a challenge in today's game is what some people are calling the, the transfer academic, uh, epidemic. It seems that at like the first sign of trouble, players are just basically bolting for the door. Based on your historical numbers at Seton Hall, I mean, people hold you in such high regard, but I, I think sometimes people forget that throughout your journey, you had your typical ups and downs, too, as a Pirate. So your freshman year, you finished second team All-Big East, and Tim Thomas, who finished third team All-Big East,
0: wins the Rookie of the Year award. All joking aside, I mean, did that bother you in any way? Well, of course it bothered me. You know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm super competitive, but, you know, Tim is a good friend of mine. I was happy for him. Um, it was just, you know, as part of the, the politics of college basketball. You know, he, he's he's six ten, and obviously he was going to be a pro. You know, so maybe that the Big East was kind of weighing on that. I don't know what the decision was and why, but it is what it is. It happened. So, but yeah, I was I was disappointed. I thought I worked extremely hard to get it. Obviously, you know, the coaches and the media, whoever voted, you know, they voted me second team. So, I guess they thought the same thing that I thought. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, uh, you did have a, you had a spectacular freshman year. The coach that recruited you was let go. You know, Mike and I differ on the whole transfer idea. Did you ever think of transferring at that point? I mean, it's you you came in with one idea with uh, to play for one coach, and he's gone. So was there any thought of that?
0: No, I, I never thought about transferring. You know, it's crazy because a lot of people were telling me I should have came out and went to the NBA that, that year, but I didn't think I was ready. You know, I thought that, you know – Coming in as a freshman with a lot of hype. Um, I thought I had a decent season, but, you know, individually, but my team didn't have a good year. Um, I thought there's a lot of things I had to improve on, you know, shooting percentage and, you know, free throw percentage and all that type of stuff. So my whole thing was trying to get better for the, the next season. Transfer never came to my mind my freshman year.
1: Did it change, though, as you kind of go through your sophomore season? So your sophomore season, you backed it up with another overall strong performance, still averaged 15 a game, upped your assist total to six and a half, but even under Tommy in that first season, the team was 15 and 15 overall, and you guys end up losing in the first round of the NIT. I mean, is there just a possibility in your head where you're like, hey, I got two more years to go. Maybe I can go someplace else and be on a team that gets to the tournament. It just might not
0: happen here. I mean, you got to really think about it. You know, back then, it seemed like it was so long ago, right? Back then. (laughs) But you you, got to think about it. Like back then, transferring wasn't big. A lot of people wasn't doing it. It wasn't something like it like it is right now. I mean, people stuck it out. People, you know, um, understood. Like some freshmen didn't play their freshman year. And that was understandable, especially in, in leagues like the Big East and ACC. You don't know, those leagues are big time leagues. So, you know, people really waited their turn and people understood. It was, it was a process. Right now, I mean, you got no shot. If you don't play a kid a little bit in freshman year, he's gone. So, so to answer your question, no, I, it never came across my mind my first two years. Not, not. Nothing about transferring ever came across my mind my first
2: two years. Well, the, just to let you know, shot. yeah, it is a long time ago. I was actually a junior when you were being recruited, and I don't even it know. Wasn't how... a, it wasn't a long time ago. It wasn't a long time ago. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> And I don't know how we got the crazy rumors back then. You know, there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. But we had you going to Cal. You were going to be like the next Jason kid. I don't know, man. We had some crazy it was crazy. close.
0: No, it was close. It was close, man. You know, I've got to tell you the truth. It was really close. You know, Coach Bozeman and his staff did an unbelievable job recruiting me. Um, it was, it was really close. You know, my daughter factor pretty much came down to it. You know, um, the reason why I didn't go. You know, it was either, even, even, even to, to Duke. You know, um, Coach Kane and his staff did an unbelievable job. I went there three times. You know, that's only school I went to on three visits. I went there for my official visit, and then I went there for two unofficial visits. Because I was that close to doing it, and I just wanted to make sure. No, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, man, how things change, you know. So to answer your question, as far as the um, how people knew things, you know, back then, everybody just talked a lot. Right now, instead of talking, anybody just write things on the blog. So it's just the same thing, but now you just have a, a bigger platform.
1: No, I get it. But, but that team after that sophomore season, you were losing some players that were, you know, pretty solid pieces of the puzzle for Seton Hall. Danelle Williams was graduating. Lavelle Sanders was graduating. Jackie Kabog was graduating. So, I mean, I sit there and say on paper, you know, what was the outlook for that team heading into your junior season? I mean, what, what were your thoughts? You got
0: well, to realize we had, you know, Gary Sonner sitting out. You know, Gary was, right. you know. That's right. Okay. Of, yeah, at, at, we had Gary sitting out. Um, we, we had Tashan sitting out. Um, obviously, Remus Korkinus came into his own. I thought uh, Dwayne Join was coming to his own. Obviously, I always believed in my ability. So you know, I, like I said, I, like like I can't even tell you ten guys who transferred in that whole era back then, because it wasn't like a lot of guys transferring. You know, if you if you could sit there and tell me ten guys who who transferred like my four years, then you are better man than me, because I can't even remember ten guys who transferred <laughs> in college basketball. I,
1: I I can't I can't give you ten. I, I remember Chucky Moore though. Chucky Moore was part of my freshman class. I remember Chuck.
0: Yeah, Chuck, uh, kind of bailed yeah, out yeah, the Vanderbilt Chuck, or something Chuck, like that, yeah, right? Yep, Chuck, Chuck left. I think Chuck was kind of – I think Chuck and Roy Leaf was the only two guys who pretty much transferred from C. Hall that I remember.
1: No, that sounds about right. You're right. It, it wasn't a big thing back then. Continuing on to your junior season, I mean, it, some, sometimes things just happen where, the, you know, the cards just – or the things just don't break your way, right? So you had a bunch of injuries. It was probably your your lowest statistical bad, output of your career, right? It was, a, and it was it, a
0: bad. It was just a bad thing, period. You know, it was just a bad year all, all around. Like, personal-wise, I had a lot of stuff going on personally. And my family had a lot of stuff going on. Basketball-wise, it just didn't pan out. You know, me and Coach come was bumping heads. I didn't believe in you know, at the time and what he was doing. I thought he was kind of hurting me. Like, it just it was just so much. You know, I got hurt. It was just like a bunch of injuries just bound up. I got hurt against um, Notre Dame. I got whiplash. I I, I ripped my rotator cuff in my shoulder. It just It was just a bad... Bad, bad time.
1: So you, you kind of beat me to the punch here. I mean, Tom, Tom was talking about rumors and how things kind of circulated back in the day with without all the social media. But the rumor was you and Tommy were kind of button heads. Ty Shine was starting to kind of come into his own while you were hurt. And so, people were saying, hey, Ty should get some more time at the point, which I thought was a little bit ludicrous. But something kind of clicked. All of a sudden, going into the receiving season, you and Tommy somehow got on the same page.
0: Well, what, ha- what, what happened, happened there? I gotta be honest with you. You know, that year was the only year I thought about transferring. I almost, I almost, I almost transferred to George Washington. And then, then in my junior year, I don't, no one know that except the people that was close around me. But then, in my junior year, I almost transferred to to George Washington to play for Tom Penders. You know, I liked Tom Penders when he was at Texas. You know, that was one of the schools that I was considering. And what stopped me, I will never forget this. You know, my uh, a close friend. And my aunt, who passed away, Miss Clemens, who I was living with, she said something to me that really stuck with me, and I'm never, ever going to forget it. She said, don't never let nobody run you out of a place where you want to be in a place that you chose. And so that year, that summer, I rehabbed my shoulder. Uh, I changed my body around, changed my game around, my mental approach. I grew up a little bit because, you know, a lot of it wasn't really all Tommy. Some of it was me as well, being immature. I grew up. Um, I went away to Indiana for the summer. Worked out with a lot of people out there, some pros and stuff. And I came back from my senior year just a
2: different person. Well, I'll be the first one to say thank you, Miss Clemens, because you brought it back senior year, and it was a season to remember. My goodness. we You made that crazy run into the Sweet 16, but it all started earlier in the season. And it probably started with that first big game uh, against the 19th-ranked St. John's at the old Continental Airlines Arena. Uh, did you know something was special after that win? You know what, it, it, I don't know if
0: you guys remember, man, that was such a, it was such a bittersweet moment for us, you know, because we um, we won that game, but that was the night of the fire, and so many people lost their lives at seeing all that, you know, that night, with with, with the fire in the dorms, and, you know, we kind of just, regrouped after the game, because a lot of people was blaming us, the basketball team, for that, because you know, we had one. We had beat St. John's, and so many, and so many uh, fans went back to their dorms to celebrate, and the whole fire happened. So it was just, it was really a bittersweet moment. But what we did was, you know, we regrouped. We, we went back. We we had a team meeting. You know, I said to everybody, listen, right now, that us dedicate the rest of the season to, you know, everybody who lost their lives. And that's kind of what we did, and we kind of went on a, on a run from there.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I was a I was a junior on campus that year when it all went down and it was look, that that was, not to take anything away from the game, that that was a hell of a win. That St. John's team was loaded. That was Foodsey Thornton, Lavar Postel, Eric Barkley, Anthony Glover. I mean, the the campus was rocking. Everybody was juiced up coming back off of that win thinking there there's something special going on. And yeah, unfortunately some, you know, that the tragedy happened and I mean, everyone's lives who were on that campus got changed forever. I, I remember being there and having some friends that were, you know, closely associated to what went down. But you guys, I, I remember the campus kind of rallying around you guys. and uh, Just like you said, it, it allowed people to be distracted at certain parts in the day when everything else was kind of on the news and just all the bad news that we were hearing. So I, I think it meant a lot to the community of Seton Hall what you guys were doing. It, it really meant a lot.
0: Well, it meant, it meant a lot to us, you know, uh, especially me. You know, um, one of our managers was in the fire. He, he actually jumped out of the top floor and broke his leg and stuff. So, you know, it was, you know, it, 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 it like I said, it was a bittersweet moment, man. And it was, it was a part in team history that's going to, you know, be there forever. But, you know, that was a turning, it was a turning in our, in our season. You know, we kind of took a, upon us, uh, you know, to put the community on our back and Give people something to be happy for, and I get, and we kind of start balling from there, and you know the rest is history.
2: You really did start balling Go after that, because you went on to get some big wins. You actually went to the Carrier Dome, which was always Seton Hall's bugaboo, and you actually beat Syracuse 69 to 67. And Cuse was uh, ranked fourth in the nation at that point, in 19 and 0. You know what it
0: was. To be honest with you, I hated that game. <laughs> <laughs> really? Man, get and, out of here. And, and, and I never used the word hate. Like I I I, I despise that I despised that word, but I hated that game because I was, I was actually hurt. My my Achilles was killing me. Both of them, I got players friendly action, or how do you ever say that word, you know, and my my Achilles. And I wasn't supposed to play that that game and I and I took some corner zone shots and I, and I kinda thugged it out. And we went up there and we could we got that win and it was great because you know, we need to win. I think I really, have, I really think that win kind of got us in the tournament. But far as for me, like I was, I was in so much pain. Man, I was in so much pain. It Was crazy.
1: Well, I mean, I, I know Tom can speak for for this. He hates Syracuse. So to use the word hate, Tom will throw hate and Syracuse around all day long. It, it's it's interesting. We've talked about Seton Hall with Jerry Walker about not having success playing Syracuse the years prior before uh, Jerry's group kind of beat him two two or three times. You guys actually, that was the third straight year you guys yeah, went up yeah. to the Carrier Dome and actually won. How, how the heck did yeah. you guys do that? No, nobody else throughout the Seton Hall program has had that kind of success at the Carrier Dome like you, uh, you did for the time that you were there.
0: You know what it was? You know, we shot the ball very well all those times. You know, and um, in order to be serious to especially with that zone, you got to be able to shoot the basketball. Plus, you got to be able to get them out the zone. And what we did was, because we got, we got off to a big, a big start and a big lead, we got them out of the zone, and it was too it was to out of advance because they're not used to playing man-to-man. So um, we got them out the zone every year, and they did start pressing us, and we started, you know, be, being the press, getting open layups and getting threes, and they kind of went on the run. Every year it kind of happened the same way.
2: Well, that week must have been a way week because you then two days later went to Rutgers and beat them by two at the rack. It was 8,000-plus fans sold out. You guys went to OT. You rallied back. I mean – and then,
0: like you bringing back all these, you bringing back all this stuff, man. I, I had a chance to win the game at the buzzer. I, I missed a shot at the, game. <laughs> I, I, the game, I, game. I thought it was over. I thought it was over. You no, know, you know, so we had a chance. You know, actually, you know, we uh, actually stole the ball towards the end. I actually had a couple more seconds because they pitched some more time on the clock during the timeout. I didn't know. So I stole the ball at half court, um, took about two or three dribbles and missed a, a pull up jump shot to win the game. Uh, but we, we actually pulled it out in overtime. Big, game. Big
1: I re- game. I remember they 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 got the first eight points in overtime after you guys had led with like six points with two minutes to go. So they were on this like heater of a run. The place was rocking. I remember being you know in the in the upper deck of the rafters that day, and I I thought there was no chance that they were going to find a way to to pull it out. But you guys got a couple buckets. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you had fouled out midway through overtime. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah
0: yeah 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 overtime. Yep came back i mean on, on a
1: complete side note before i kind of finish up uh, the comeback here i remember you were walking to the bench and they were doing the left right left right chant and you just refused to sit down if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah
0: i was, I was messing with this yeah yeah i remember that yeah it was crazy. it's crazy <laughs> it, you know, it's funny because i don't remember a lot of stuff but now that you bring yourself up i kind of remember that after Remus and Remus, uh Korkin and tashan had big overtime to help us win that game
1: they did. They did. Uh, Rashad Kent was, like, falling out of bounds. They were up by three, and he, he had, like, his infamous uh, Chris Weber moment where he called the timeout. They got hit with the technical. Remus hits the two right. free throws. Ty scores a bucket if on the next I, possession. And then, boom, walked out not, with the win.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think we only lost to Rutgers one time, or t- maybe one time to my tenure. I mean, they beat the crap out of us my sophomore year at Rutgers. I mean, they beat us back at the rack, like, pretty bad. Uh, I, I, we're completely going off the
1: rails here, but I, I was in the stands for that game too as a freshman, and uh, I was, you know, in the student section with all my buddies who bought us tickets. You hit a three, I stand up, given, like the trifecta sign, and then all of a sudden they go on a thirty-to-one run. That, that that was a rough game.
0: Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, I mean, that, I mean, they, I mean, they beat the crap out of us. <laughs> it's so funny because it, 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 it's so funny because my freshman year, I beat Rutgers at Buck, I beat Rutgers at Rutgers on the three-pointer. My freshman year, we beat them. I had a three-pointer to beat them. And then sophomore year, they beat us bad at Rockers. I think we played twice. We had, we almost had to play twice. I remember playing at home. Yeah, So we beat them at home, and then we lost to them at the rack. And then my junior year, we beat them, and then we beat them my senior.
2: Well, that team goes on to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in what felt like forever at that point, but it was six years. And you made one of the most thrilling runs through the tournament that we can remember. And you probably had your signature moment as a pirate, at least, at least in the eyes of the fans, in that Oregon game when you pulled off a Tyus Edney type coast to coast game winner in OT.
0: Yeah, that was you know that was exciting. You know we are we, we we actually worked so hard. I think that we got a you know a bad seed to tell you the truth. I I couldn't believe that we got a ten seed, especially with the with the, the kind of year we had, and we, we beat problems in the first round of Big East tournament. And I thought that guy was like a, a 50 or 60. Like, we thought he was going to get like a 6, seven, eight C, to tell you the truth. Um, but we, we got a 10-C. Um, Beat Oregon. Played a great Temple team. I was, you know, I got hurt again. <laughs> you know, my guys pulled it through and then lost. And then and then lost, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Oklahoma State in, in uh three sixteen. But it was um, – <laughs>
1: Well, I want to ask you this, Sean. Before before we get into the Oklahoma State game, I I want to go back to that Oregon moment. I I think Tom's kind of selling it short a little bit. I mean, everybody talks about the game-winning shot, but the reality is, you had a game-high 27 points. You played 42 minutes. You were 11 of 17 from the field. You're basically doing it all. Was that the best game that you ever had, relative to the magnitude of the moment?
0: You know what? I don't know. You know, you know, it's throughout my whole career of basketball, I have to i played so many big games. Like, individual-wise, probably, I don't know, like I go back to the Syracuse game, you know, my freshman year when I hit nine three-pointers. You know, that mm-hmm. was kind of big for us. even though know, we lost, but on an individual thing, you know, that was a record in the Big East for so many years. And then, you know, um, a game like that, but then I had a lot of games. Like, we beat Syracuse when I had a triple-double. You know, so, it, you know, scoring-wise, it was good, but I think because it was in the moment of the NCAA tournament, it, it, it became real big for people. Um, I don't want to sell myself short, but like I said, I played in so many big games and had so many big games. It was just part of, it, it was part of it, but I was happy because I finally got an NCAA tournament and I was, I got a chance to show the, a different, a different, um a different audience what I could
2: do. Well, you, you mentioned how the team ended up losing to Oklahoma state. I mean, you, you hurt your, you hurt your ankle, I believe in, in the temple game, but, but tell me the truth here. You guys beat Oklahoma State if you're playing, because there's no way Doug Gottlieb's covering you. There's no way we lost that game if I was playing. Like, we would have went
0: – like, we had it set up – once we beat Temple, which Temple was a, a number two seed, once we beat them, and I think Florida lost, or I think Florida beat Duke or Duke lost. Like Yeah, the way yeah, you're played, right. Like, like, yep. like, like we was kind of set up to, to go to the Final Four. And, you know, if we, if we win that game – if I play, I know for a fact we win that game, and I think we in the Final Four. I mean think about it we, we lost by one or two points and I ain't gonna play. I thought the team played great. We, we couldn't I know I, that game, you know, Ty and Gary's had a hard time shooting, but we still only only lost by two points. Oh, uh, they were they was,
1: were they were seven of thirty four from three, man. It just it was painful to watch each shot kind of just cling and like you said, maybe one or two more go down and, and the game changes. That's how close it was. No, right?
0: I, I mean think about it we lost by two points and I ain't gonna play. You know, I thought if I would have played that game <laughs> definitely would have uh,
1: yeah. How, how how close were you to play it? I, I know like that was that was the media story the entire week is how's the ankle doing? It's a game time decision, well,
0: it's day to day. I would say this. I I would tell you this. I worked as hard as I ever worked to try to play in the game. You know, I had one of the worst ankle injuries of all time. I ripped my I ripped seven different ligaments in my ankle. Oh. Okay. You know, um, yeah, that, you know, that's
1: yeah that's what it, we it, figured, it, but like there's no way that it was just like a, a bruised ankle that he's uh, not gonna play in this no, game. It, it, it had to be ankle, something I would, that was gonna be able
0: to play. I mean, you got you to gotta think right. about it. Like, I, I was out a year and a half with this injury.
1: Really? I didn't, I didn't know that yeah. that, that kind of held back your, your next step in your professional career. Oh, yeah. I was out I a year and a half.
0: I was out a year and a half. Like, I came back early to go to the Chicago pre-draft camp, which I probably should never did, to tell you the truth. Um, I came back early, went to the camp, came back after, after the camp, went back to the doctor. The doctor told me that you know, I messed it up, so he put it back in the cash. I got back in the cash for another four months, got out the cash. The Knicks called me, tell me to come to the um, veteran camp. You know, it was my dream to play for the Knicks, which I probably shouldn't have did, did that. Came back <laughs> came back from camp. It still messed up. Got back in the cast. I mean, it was a year and a half of just trying to get – and it still messed up. Right now, I got a slight tear in my
2: Achilles from it. Uh, you know, look at it that. Knicks N- that- ruining careers even back then, Mike. No. Why, why do
1: you, you got to go there? Why do you got to poke the bear? Come on.
2: Nah, see no
0: nah, 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 podcast. Stay nah, focused. Nah, I mean, the, the Knicks are my team, too, so I'm telling you your pain, man. Trust me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. Tom gives it to me pretty good now that they've struggled since the, the post-Patrick Ewing era, so it is what it is. But but go, going back to the, the, this great 20 run, I mean, that's been the pinnacle for Seton Hall and their fan base for quite some time now. We keep on joking, saying, it, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was long ago. It's, it's almost 20 years now, and everyone keeps on talking about this year's team and can they get back to a Sweet 16? You guys were the last ones to get there. I mean, is there any way in your career that you can top that moment relative to Seton Hall, you know, and, and do something as, a, as a, a greater crowning achievement in your Seton Hall career?
0: Well, well, let's get back to what you said first. Like, I believe that this team this year could do great things. I like this team that's coming to this year. I like the personnel they have. I think adding the kid, Ike is going to be huge for them kind of getting you a sharp locker like we had with Sam Dallenberg. Um, obviously, Miles is continued to keep growing and growing every year. I'm proud of him. I think Jared Rose is going to have an unbelievable breakout year. Uh, I think, you know, Anthony Nelson is going to have a breakout year. Quincy Knight I thought he had a great year for us last year. I think Sandro is going to be able to play his natural position to four. So I'm looking for this team to do, you know, great things. But we was kind of getting judged just like the way everybody was, was judging Everybody compared to the 89 team. You know, up until we made our run in the 316, everything was 89, 89, 89. And now, you know, everything is 316, 316, 316. I think each, each team is different, man. You just got to give each team, that you know, their identity. I think for the, the four years, the four, the, the, the year that, that we had, the you know, that recruiting class with Isaiah and those guys, you know, they had their own thing. You know, we brought the program back. You know, right now they have four straight NCAA tournaments. You know, so it's growing every year. I just think everybody just put a lot of expectations on people. Just enjoy it. Kind of enjoy it while it's here. Because like you said, it wasn't here for a while and now it's here. And it's not not easy to sustain that. It's hard. So I think, like, the fan base and everybody should just enjoy it. Enjoy watching these kids play and
2: represent their school and their community. So Shaheen, you know a lot of people. You were you mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To Mike and I, you're the greatest point guard Seton Hall's ever had. To some people, I think I am too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even have to suck up to you before. Now we're sucking up to you. But to people well, nowadays, your coach. Now, did you did you know back then that after you were done playing, you were going to coach?
0: Yeah, that was part of the. Uh, that, that, that that's actually part of it from day one. From day one, I didn't think that I would be coaching so quickly. I thought I could be playing, but through my my injuries and things with my daughter, I had to, you know, stop playing. But, yeah, I wanted to coach. I didn't think it was going to happen this quick, to to tell you the truth.
1: So, so I'm going to ask the question that that a lot of people talk about on the the fan message boards and whatnot. Coach Willard is doing a great job, but there's always the rumor that if the team continues to have sustained success, you know, maybe he stays, maybe he takes a different opportunity. And hypothetically, if that opportunity were to present itself, and that opens up the coaching vacancy, I mean, everybody wants you back, right? Everyone's like, bring bring Shaw back home.
0: I I, want to be back. You know, that's home. You know, and I say it all the time. You listen to my interviews anywhere. Team Hall is like my baby. You know, I, I I want, I wanted to do well, no, no, no matter what, if I'm there or not. Um, obviously, if you know, if Coach Willett moves on and to you know a different place. A thousand percent I want to be back and be the head guy there one thousand percent
1: what would be the pinnacle of success if you came back to coach the team
0: you know what just like I, like I said success you know like people look at success completely different man. you know some people say to me you know you make the NBA you you not successful but I tell them all the time I'm the first one in my family and my community to graduate from college that's a success story you know um obviously you're trying to get to the, the highest place that we could get to at senior Hall and then that's and that's success the challenge you try to get to the highest place Obviously, I want to win and win it all every year because that's I'm competitive like, like that um but you know sometimes that's not realistic you know you just gotta you know work you just gotta work and see where the chips fall
2: well Sha we appreciate your time with us but before you go we always make our guests walk the plank. We ask five rapid-fire questions. We're looking for five rapid-fire answers. You don't need to explain it. Just knock off the answers as as best you can. You ready for this? Let's go. Let's do it.
1: All right. Question number one. Most points you have ever scored in a game at any level? 62. Biggest win as a Pirate? Oregon. Most intimidating road environment you've ever played in?
0: West Virginia. <laughs>
1: toughest opponent you have ever gone up against? Alan Abbasa. Greatest pirate you have seen play?
2: Sahin Holloway. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Shaheen. You've walked the plank. That's fabulous. So, so you know, we you know asked know Angel goes, Delgado,
1: you know, who's the toughest know. guy you've ever had to guard? And Angel goes, nobody. We asked Sean, he goes, me.
2: <laughs> uh, you know what?
0: no you know, the um, toughest guy that... I mean, the best part I've seen, to be honest with you, and I'm a big, big fan of his, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a big Kadeem Carrington fan because he, you know, from when I recruited him from day one to where he came in to where he ended up as one of the best, you know, all-time senior hall guys, you know, I think he knifed his scoring or something like that. Like, you know, people won't say him when you ask these questions, but I've seen where he came from to where he ended up at, and I'm so proud of him.
1: I, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up KC. I, I think he falls under the radar a little bit. He kind of gets overshadowed by Isaiah and some of the accomplishments that, that Angel had. But I thought he was just as instrumental to that team's success as any of the other two. And I, like you said, I don't think he gets the recognition.
0: Well, it's hard, man. You know, like you said, we had a good team. You, know, you had Isaiah, you had Angel, you had Jesse, you had Ish. You know, Kadeem is quiet, he's relaxed, he, relax, he reserved. But when you look at it, for four years, numbers don't lie. The numbers have been very impressive all year. Every year,
2: and KC put team in front of person, especially that senior season when he played out of position. Man, he he could have really said, you know what, I gotta showcase my skills, and he he took one for the team that senior year of playing point.
0: Well, you know what, we, we we actually did that for him. You know, that's something that him and his mother wanted to help him try to get to the next level. Um, we missed out on some <laughs> on some big time point guards because of that, but you know what, that's what we, that's what we promised, and that's what we did. I thought he pretty good. I thought, I thought he had a good season.
1: All right. So that's interesting. I know we're kind of trying to wrap up the interview, but now you kind of you kind of open up the door here. There was always the here rumor that Seton Hall was big go. after Trayvon Duval. I mean, well, was was there a possibility that Trayvon would have come, or is what you described something that kind of closed that door?
0: Well, I feel like this. Trayvon Duval and Miles Powell are best friends. When I recruited Miles Powell, Trayvon, him and Trayvon wanted to go to school together. Um, Trey, Trey went to IMG and was a year behind him, one year. And it came down to us and Duke. And to be honest with you, I thought we had him. Duke got him in the 11th hour. How it happened, no idea. And I think he wanted to go play with Marvin Bagley. But he was ours. I, th- I thought we had him. It was done. Okay. The,
1: the rest of us were sitting there from the fan's perspective saying, hey, everybody kind of plays their natural position. You let Duval kind of have the, you know the keys to the ship a little bit. And we, we just kind of off and go. I mean, there was, there was so much... Anticipation if you could have brought Trayvon in to kind of, you know,
0: balance out I the thought court. I You know, I thought it was done, to be honest with you. I thought it was done. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, he, uh, you know, he ended up going, going, going to Duke and Kadim and having a great scene. Yeah. So everything played itself out, you know.
2: Well, thank you so much for your time, Shaheen. We really appreciate you.
0: Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you guys. You know, next time, you know, I hope I could call right through and this ain't got to be like the, the White House.
2: We're <laughs> guys... leave that in.
1: We're gonna uh, I'll, I'll, you know, hopefully the next time we get to talk to you maybe you know maybe you're coaching in blue again and but, but pirate blue not peacock blue
0: you know that i wish coach Willen and, and his staff and the team all the best looking forward for a great year for those guys and hopefully a great year here for us with me at st pete's as well well
1: yeah best of luck to you and your boys over at st pete's so if you have enjoyed this podcast Please listen to our previous podcast, which include interviews with former walk-on John Yablonski, former WSOU color commentator Mike McEnany, and 1989 team manager Clark Holly. For Tom Chilkarski, I am Mike Dizzy Dizzieri, and you have been listening to Left Post Pirates.